Welcome to Lords of Pain Radio. NXT review. Finn Balor is your new NXT champion. Just to get straight into there with spoilers. Finn Balor. He probably doesn't need glasses. He is your new NXT champion. Yes, my hype for, <laughs> for Balor. My hype line is he probably doesn't need glasses. <laughs> but he is your new NXT champion after winning the opening match. So it made sense for me going through the order of the card that I'll start with the NXT Championship match. It gives me a nice opportunity just to go through the card in order. Start with the kind of cleaning up of last week's show, uh, where uh, you heard me talk about it last week, but I wasn't... I was... I enjoyed my time with it. I enjoyed my hour as somebody walks very loud down the stairs. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, yeah, it's my fault. I meant to shut the door, but I didn't do it. But with the... Uh, with NXT last week, I wasn't exactly in uh, massive favour of the way that it ended. And then this week, it felt like a... Like I was ready for another kind of takeaway. Like another fake-out, that's what I'm looking for. I was, I was looking for another fake-out. As in building to something, and then maybe somebody costs one of them the match. Like, Undisputed Era, suddenly Kyle O'Reilly turns on Adam Cole <laughs> or something. Just to uh, screw Adam Cole out of it, because that feels very main roster. As in, with the, and you feel it's like there's influence creeping in. And when that happens, I jump to worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is that main roster influence continues to come in. So my expectation was another fake out. We'd get another uncertain win. But Finn Balor just went over. And I thought that was perfect. Like, that was... That, that was... Uh, that was a, it, this was a really good match. It's just that the, the kind of bad taste in the mouth after the ending of last week was still there. So I wasn't, I wasn't massively... Uh, getting into it, even though it was a really good match. I guess that's the best way to put it. A really good match, uh, which also, if this is one, of, this is the first time I've thought, and like an NXT match would have really benefited from being in front of a live crowd to really elevate it to what it could be. Uh, like for some reason, the takeovers felt like their own unique thing, and the matches that have come beforehand, there's been something about them where you know, on their own they work perfectly fine for the style they were doing, for what they were going for. It worked perfectly fine in that arena but with it this week there was something about this match I don't know what it was it felt like there were a few spots that felt like the crowd would generally really really pop for them and them not being there was a massive kind of just it massively took away what could have been an amazing moment but I'll get to those later so I'm going to go through uh, my notes here just quick on, on the match and uh, Finn Balor now a two-time champion in NXT with a I want to say five-year gap I can't remember when he dropped it it was definitely 2015 or 16 at some point. <laughs> it's one of those. It's the it was to smoke Joe if I'm correctly. So it's that immediate cross. It was uh, starting the show in style. No mess. Straight into the clean up title match as I'm calling it. Echoing last week's ending with the two wrestling a very even game, which I liked. This match built really. It was a really good match. Like just as one got the better of the other, it wasn't long before they were back and forth equal once again which meant the action was never stopping, building damn nicely. Adam Cole eventually scored a swing of momentum, with Balor tweaking his knee in the fight back. And with so much time to go in this match, you know where this is going. 
The constant momentum swing gradually took its toll, but it was Cole who found himself down for a possible count. Not, but not Balor, which was, again, constant swinging, even though, yeah. And after count after count, Balor won out, and the Undisputed Era man was down for the coup de gras, but he kicked out. I would say I've skipped over quite a bit of the flow of the match, and even though Adam Cole had fantastic um, showings early on, hitting long string, he was winning out the strings, but then it was actually Adam Cole who found himself, like, down <laughs> for the possible danger. Um, but Bala flew off the top with the coup de gras. Adam Cole kicks out because of the knee. <laughs> that bloody great knee coming back. The flow continues. Bala going for the kill, but soon found himself on the end of a last shot. A kick out from Bala just straight up. No Adam Cole selling anything. Just went for it. A kick out. Control swinging once again. Both men laying in shots. Bala goes to climb to the top, gets caught with a super kick, climbs up to capitalise, but instead gets lifted up to crash down hard on the wrong end of a, six, of a 19... 16? 18? 1916. 1916 feels right. Yeah. It's even it's in reference to a really important part of Irish history. I just cannot remember the date of it. Uh, yeah, it's 1916 DDT from the top, and that is that. Finn Bala is your new champion. Really good match. And I, I've summed up massive portions with by just talking about them being constantly swinging momentum. Uh, one person would hit a string and then the other person would hit a string, so no one was really, in the end, winning out. But over the course of the match, that takes its toll. Finn Balor tweaks his knee. Adam Cole's slower, of course, after being worn down so much. And f eventually, like you hit a big move like a sling blade, Adam Cole's down for much longer than he would have been at the early part of the match. Uh, same again with Finn Balor. Suddenly a super kick can take him down and he can be followed up with a last shot or something. Very, uh, very even match throughout it. And the commentators were painting it like in certain sections of, oh, this person's definitely got the momentum now and this person has. But I felt like it was swinging so quickly that they were painting it as very, very even. But the tweaked knee for Balor was his weakness and I guess the moves from Balor were big enough where he was slowly weighing down Adam Cole. And Adam Cole was the one becoming more frustrated at Balor kicking out, whilst Balor did a much better job at holding his cool. Um, I say much better job, a better job. <laughs> I guess that's way to put it. Uh, but Finn Balor, in the end, wins up clean. Yeah, a great thing as well, where uh, Balor was going to do the top thing, and it was Cole who stopped him again. And then Balor countered the counter, <laughs> which was the, I feel like the ending was the perfect description of the rest of the match. The counter of the counter won the thing. Yeah, that sums it up bloody perfectly. Uh, but fantastic main event um, opening match. I would personally... Well, I don't know. Because last week's main event was such a journey. Was such a unique thing. That I don't know if it really... In the, I don't know if in the end, if it really... Uh, took a, it's a difficult one. Because <laughs> this is essentially a tag on, a, a tag on to last week's match. So I don't really know whether how to rate it because it's like one overall story, and it definitely this match. Even though I really enjoyed it, even though it was really it was a really strong opening match, I wasn't as invested because of what had come the week before. So the match the week, but in terms of like the whole arc and the whole story, I felt like so much time was invested that you really needed to just do this last week, um, which yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it's a really really good match. Uh, I, I, if you want to. I would recommend watching, I guess, all three, because the Iron Man is such a unique match. Like you, go, you go on this massive journey, and now you can watch them back-to-back, -back, so there isn't that kind of waiting a week thing. But I would say it feels it's like a 
fake out ending to get you to tune in next week. And that made me think during this match they were going to do it again. Because, well, we saw the what feels like a main roster influence last week. So, surely it's just going to happen again, right? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Right, I'm just going to get something else up. And there we go. Ray Ripley. Uh, she's more than ready for tonight's steel cage match against Mercedes Martinez in the main event. Get to it when you get to that. Uh, Finn Balor is walking through Gorilla afterwards. I just have to break the do Rare Ripley to kind of, like, we're back from break, we'll do this first. And then we see Finn Balor walking through with his championship, with everybody congratulating him. Faces, heels, Triple H and all, it didn't matter. It was a very breaking the wall feeling kind of thing. And uh, he and Adam Cole handshake and do the Bullet Club Too Sweet thing, which I, I, like them, I like them genuinely addressing that. And if you're doing little tweaks for... The Undisputed Era maybe having a bit of a break. Showing Adam Cole's slight kind of friendship and buddiness and reminiscing in the Bullet Club with Finn Balor is, is a pretty good sort of way to do it. Assuming it's nothing more than just a little, hey, uh, you, you guys remember the thing? <laughs> it, might, it might be nothing more than that. Uh, but Finn Balor says people have been asking why he's come to NXT. Just realised I've jumped a bit. <laughs> it was a... Uh, and the cameraman asked him a wee question uh, on the win. And Finn Balor says that people have been asking why he's come to NXT. And he gestures the, to the title around his waist. This is why. Uh, Finn Balor, as well, after he had won the title, he was posing on the ramp and he was like pointing at the cameras. Like, oh, he looks so cool. <laughs> it's, uh, the NXT title, like the first time around, it just really fit Finn Balor. And the second time, it's no different. Like that title, it looks, it looks great on Finn. It just it just fits him. <laughs> it's just right, uh, like like Champo and Goldie, because this, this version's Goldie, the old version, <laughs> the old version for Balor, where it was just like the I think the end the end the X it was a, yeah the title was it was a massive X wasn't it with an end and then a T but there was no like shield part of it. I don't know. I think I prefer this new one. Not yeah. That's not what we're going to be talking about. Next bit. Uh, Robert Stone is all set to bash in Shotzi's tank with a baseball bat. He's brought the camera people there with him. But Shotzi makes the save just in time for her tank baby. <laughs> I don't know what's going that. Only for it to be a ruse. Uh, Aaliyah blindsides her and they brawl. She then dives at Blackheart, sending them through a curtain. But on the other side was Io Shirai. What was Io Shirai doing on the other side? I'm assuming most people didn't check this up, <laughs> but if you go to WWE.com and you go through the photos that I've had to done just to find stuff, then you will see there's a photo of Io Shirai smiling, having a photo taken on the other side of the curtain. So why was she there? She was doing a photo, like a quick photo op, <laughs> but it's one of the photos that's in it. Then it lead that leads into the brawl. It's like, oh, that's I really like that. That was never addressed on air either that like, I would never have known that if I didn't happen to go to WWE.com and look at the photos <laughs> like, I wouldn't have known if I didn't do this show I would never have seen that it's just a really nice story detail that Io Shirai you see her photo in the photos but there's like no mention of it on the commentary unless I missed unless I missed it for me it was an awesome moment <laughs> seeing a photo there when it, that to me there's no mention on it on the telly because I didn't hear anything but yes, the dive sending them crashing into the champion. Aaliyah realises the mistake she's made, pelts it to the ring with the other two in chase. Eo uh, and Shotzi beat her up afterwards though. Uh, Blackheart picks up Shirai's title with a wee pose. Just a, 
Hey, look at this. Uh, the champion just snatches it back. Just don't make me hurt you. And, and off Io goes. Shotzi kind of smiling in the ring. And later on in the show, we got it confirmed that those two will be facing each other next week. Not in a title match, but just in a one-on-one match. Uh, I think Beth Phoenix was saying, well, clearly Shotzi's actions have... Uh, uh, created something in the Oshirai and the match has been confirmed. She made an impression. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like the uniqueness of that. And again, I loved the Easter egg of going to the photos and finding out why Io Shirai was behind the curtain. <laughs> that's a, that's a, for me, that was such a cool moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the Gargano Relay, Relay, the Gargano Lorey household have Tegan Knox over for dinner. Oh, how delightful. <laughs> how delightful this. Uh, they sit down at the table, and we cut to break just as Candice says, "Okay, let's talk." So ah, so this is going to be drip thread, uh, drip, drip fed throughout the show. That was it. It was fed and throughout. It was doing the end. It'll be drip fed throughout the show, and they will have uh, Candice LeRae, and the tension will build and eventually lead to something. I wasn't expecting the thing to be as kind of minor as it was, like semi-jokey. It feels like a on-air falling out a bit more. I I liked the idea of Candice LeRae, like her words kind of seeping into Tegan a bit. Like she actually soaked them in. And um, we'll get to those when we get to those later in the show. But she generally took on what she said and it wasn't just, well, I'm going to say this. Well, yeah, I'm going to say this, but well, I'm going to say that. Well, I'm going to say this. Segment over. Like that's main roster <laughs> writing. Uh, in a nutshell, I think I nailed it. But with this NXT thing, like, the the babyface actually listened to the words of the hill before and that before they generally disagreed over something and they actually took on and were able to have a conversation it wasn't you're an ass well you're a but well you're a penis uh, go, goodbye monetization <laughs> it's just yeah he constantly uh, uh, I, I liked how this was done we'll get to it when you get to it uh, a lot more low key which this feud feels a bit more low key whilst also building character as well uh, Thatcher's Thatch can lesson on Damien Priest. He notes that uh, Th- Thatcher notes the man's dangly arms are a weakness. His posing gives a moment to capitalise, and like life's not a party, it grounds you down like being in a match with me. And this is uh, leading to we we'll get a Damien Priest promo later in the show, but next week will be a North American Championship match between Timothy Thatcher and Damien Priest. So we get hypings up for that one. Another, I've got it a unique NXT trope because it's not on Raw or SmackDown. We get a promo, kind of, or a little anger. Well, yeah, you get promos from both people because we got it from Tegan Knox and Candice Ray last week, and this week to get Thatcher and Damian Priest. You get promos for a match that isn't on the show. It's for next week. So when they announce the match, it's not like oh, cool looking match that's come up. Well, like I'll watch it, but it's not been a massive thing. It's like no, throughout the show they've told you the match is coming. Then you go and just remind you the match is coming. It's like yeah. I like that as a promotion tool for the next week. It's not the trying to do the hook at the end. Or, or again, the fake out to go tune in next week to see what happens. Like, it's not that. It's this thing will be happening next week. We are promoting the thing happening next week. Next week, you tune in to see the thing. <laughs> it's, it's simple. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's not as difficult. Like, if you plan ahead, it's, really, it's not as difficult as you make it seem, seem to be sometimes. Uh, second match uh, versus uh, Adonis. I can't. I didn't catch his first name. I wrote Jobber Adonis because <laughs> this was essentially a uh, giving a win. And uh, Earth poses about. Uh, he nearly gets pinned for it. Adonis hitting some genuine offense before getting poked in the eye and lifted up for the Dream Valley Driver. Uh, and uh, he goes to do a promo, and that was the end of it. Dream Valley Driver won the match. 
uh, a promo after the match, but Kushida jumps him and lays down the fists. Are NXT moving to genuinely featuring Kushida? It's finally like, uh, yeah. <laughs> as the refs try to usher him away, Ugh goes to grab him back in. Uh, back, but the former NW, N, NJPW <laughs> ace of the juniors grabs his arm and drives him into the ring post. And again, before talking it with a submission. Yeah, Kushida looking like a badass, like, like, oh, tried to genuinely do, like, gen this, like, no, I'm gonna do what I always do here, and I'm, I'm gonna beat, I'm gonna beat you up for you trying to be cheeky. But Kushida was alert on another level and showing genuine aggression. And I really felt like that, really, like, so we finally seen something from Kushida. Rather than, oh, it's that lad from those matches that I liked in the past. Like, oh, it's Kushida. Oh, I remember the time submitters. Oh, do you remember Kushida? It was, like, it was a lot of, oh, do you remember Kushida? Oh, wasn't he good? But this was the first time I saw genuine like character and aggression from him. And, they did, and they've done it before where they've talked about his family and things, but as a, I guess, on-air personality, like this was the first time we saw like like real kind of character being put before us. And showing instead of telling. Showing instead of telling. And uh, I thought it was... A really good segment for Kushida and fill me with hope <laughs> that they might be actually doing something with him. Like a man of that level of talent. Um he will out of all the people that come from New Japan to WWE, Kushida was the one I always worried about the most. There was just something about him where I was like, he screams to WWE that he won't get past Cruiserweight. But he's a very, very good wrestler. And he can I felt like he he was able to make a massive connection in New Japan, especially with children. Like, he was incredibly successful, incredibly over. Uh, the amount of people that would dress up at him as him or wear his shades or wear his, like, time watch <laughs> thing that he had as well. Like, he... Like, he got incredibly over. He made, he made a really strong connection. And I feel like that could be, like... He's not just... You don't just toss him to the side because he's small. Yes, he may be talented, but he's always small and he can't speak uh, He can't speak English to the level of some others on the roster, which is seen quite often in WWE be a massive hindrance. Even Shinsuke Nakamura, who bleeds his charisma and character from him, because uh, it's not his first language, kind of gets pushed down because that's the way WWE produces. It's a lot of homogenization in the way people are presented, and that's kind of a shame. Like, fine, like someone like Bobby Lashley, there's a reason he's really taken off after having a group around him, or having MVP as this like a really strong mouthpiece. And Bobby Lashley would say stuff, but he's not the leading kind of vocal for his character at the moment because of the Hurt Business, because of the way that works. And just realised I should probably turn the brightness up so it shines me a bit. But the... Yeah, the... yeah, I feel like for Kushida, he saw it Shinsuke Nakamura, where everybody has to cut the same kind of charismatic promo in spite of their character, in a way. And that's going to be the biggest hindrance for, for Kushida. Like, him doing the action and him being like, I'm going... I'm going to attack this man, he's generally angry, but he, get, he gets all across when you watch him in the ring. But when they make him cut that promo, that's kind of like, uh Because on the main roster, they won't let him speak Japanese and then do the subtitles. It would just be, do it in English type of thing. It's, you've seen how great those can be. Io Shirai, amazing promos. A worry for the main roster. <laughs> it's my mate, because everyone gets homogenised and has to do the same style of thing. Yeah. If I ask anything, it's play to the strength of each individual person, if you can rather than everyone has to work within this certain way, and if they don't work, then we'll either keep pushing them that way, <laughs> which is not the right goal, or 
I guess it might be a better call where you then go on to someone else who fits the peg. It fits the hole better. It's trying to cram everybody into the same hole, no matter the shape of peg, rather than trying to find the 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 right corresponding hole. <laughs> it nearly got away from me that metaphor. <laughs> I pulled it back in. Uh, speaking to coming back, uh, <laughs> it's the tag team champions title of Fandango because they came back to NXT. They had a VTR on the tag team championship match that will be taking place next week. First off was Breeze and Fandango being interviewed in the ring. Uh, Fandango making me laugh, <laughs> just failing to keep the NXT championship on his shoulder, just fell off and just a bit awkward comedy. And uh, I, I liked it. Yeah, fair to say, Febreze are somewhat of an opposite of the previous holders. <laughs> uh, Fandango calls Imperium all steak and no sizzle. I think you just say, when I have my steak, I like, like, a, like a bit of sizzle. <laughs> Is that how he talks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, that might be all right on the podcast. I didn't feel confident. <laughs> uh, Imperium still aren't taking them seriously, though. And we get words from them, too. Uh, themselves calling the title holders a joke. Set to be the shortest tag title reign in NXT history. And the tag team championship match is set for next week's show. Again, you can do a promo for a thing that happens next week when you're kind of booking long term. You don't have to have all the things on the one show. You can lead and build to the next thing. Especially when you're not in front of a live crowd. That's the other thing. <laughs> when... You're in front of a crowd that's being, where the reaction is controlled. Is this in, the, in the studio setting, which is essentially what the uh, plexiglass world is. In that environment, like, it doesn't matter if you hold stuff off and do the next week. Uh, with the main roster, the big argument I can think is what an audience doesn't, all, doesn't really react that well when the next town gets the thing when they say, well, next week I'm going to kick your ass. And they're like, oh, next week. Boo. That's not now. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot with the live crowd. Uh, back to Gargano and Larray's household, eating a lovely salad dinner. There might have been spaghetti, but they're all only eating the salad bit. Might tell you how nice that spaghetti was. <laughs> uh, eating that lovely meal as Johnny notes on the awkward atmosphere. And then eventually get uh, he's like, I get the hint. I'm, I'm going to, maybe I'm making it worse. I'm, I'm going to go. And he goes to eat upstairs. And we all, I think we got our end afterwards, if I'm right. I think we went back one more time. Yeah, I'm right. So the ending wasn't here. We then came back later. Because now we've got Bronson Reed and his amazing entrance versus Austin Theory. Uh, Bronson Reed, again, his, his new entrance is fantastic. Uh, from the music to the Titan Troders, how it all fits together. Uh, the, way, the way that he wor works with it as well. The camera work for it too. It's just it's A+. Plus. <laughs> Knocked out of the park. Uh, the rebrand from Thick Boy to The Colossal has been the perfect elevation for him. And the... Titan Tron and everything sells that immediately. Just the whole thing nailed. Uh, Austin Theory, in terms of immediate feeling, he's NXT man number two returning after allegations with not a note. So a bit of just a negative, just meh, about the presence a little bit. And it's in a way nothing to do with him. And yeah, obviously the allegations are a major part. What I mean is it's the handling from NXT in terms of PR, in terms of presentation. Uh, their handling has been to push it aside and hope nobody cares. But for the people who were paying attention during that time, and it generally cared, and this is a this is a serious sweep in a way. It's yeah, it, it doesn't sit right. I guess it's like it's not as bad as Velveteen Dream, but it still doesn't sit right. 
uh, egotistic, the, the story of the match, egotistical, I can't say, egotistical bloke in great shape, fantastic shape, amazing shape, versus big lad you really shouldn't underestimate. Guess what Theory does? And Theory pays for it. He pays for that. He pays that price for a pretty long be- period. Uh, can't buy his way in, as Barrett put it. Reed just totally destroying the man. The only positive note in the early going for Theory was being that he kept kicking out. And Barrett was putting over how impressive it was that, he, like, you have to give credit to Theory that he's still staying in this match. Like, he's shown some real re- resilience to keep kicking out. You know, Theory later on was finally able to string together some offense after really just getting battered. Uh, rolling and popping up with a great-looking blockbuster, uh, but his mistake was in trying to lift the colossal man up. Again, his ego in how his grander self—it <laughs> was it twice his back gave in. Uh, the second time with Reed crashing down right on top of him, the Aussie climbing to the top and crashing down with the tsunami for the win, because it's not a splash with Bronson Reed; it's a tsunami. I think he said that in a promo once. <laughs> uh, something rang a bell, so I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> but there's that. Again, I'm massively impressed with Bronson Reed. I thought Austin Theory in the match looked great. And Bronson Reed, the perfect winner, because I feel like he's being built up to a really strong degree. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, what we're building to is. It's not Punishment Martinez, Damien Priest. <laughs> it wouldn't be surprised if Damien Priest versus Bronson Reed is our next North American Championship match for a takeover, as they're being built kind of a part and I would I would continue to do that like make Damien Priest get across him as a champion to the aura of the entire thing the feeling build up Bronson Reed get him wins so that when he steps up to Damien Priest he like yeah you just sense it uh, interview I get what well, I don't know what's going to happen with the main event scene is it just going to be and they have a, a wee little moment or are you going to introduce someone new to Finn Balor that's that's an interesting one. That <laughs> I should have posed that to Jekyll. What <laughs> game on the NXT Economist era uh, wrestling headlines? I should, yeah, that's a, that's a talking point. I'll, I'll send him a message tomorrow. I don't even want to think, see what, know what he thinks on that uh, interview with Adam Cole. He's disappointed and in a similar tone to like the semi breaking the wall kind of feeling as well. Um, and he like he's disappointed. Uh, he gets asked about the show of respect between he and Bala earlier in the night. He says. Uh, Finn on the night was better, but you better hope he do- that Adam Cole doesn't get a rematch because Finn Balor won't beat him again, and that is undisputed. So a bit of confidence after losing clean in the match, uh, which again, not a main roster thing normally. He just flat out lost clean. And in terms of what's next for Finn Balor, do they build to that? Uh, I think I said before that it feels like there's a few people in NXT where because it's developmental, you get into that point of why you're still here. Uh, but obviously because it's on USA is the answer <laughs> and of course main roster being a little bit of a mess it means that not ev- not like all the fans weren't you know super calling for it but uh, the, really it's that generation you know, the undisputed era Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano who absolutely tore it up in NXT made massive names themselves generated loads of momentum and they've re- they've gone past Finn Balor's point so Finn Balor felt like uh, with NXT normally when with a lot of acts, when they get to a certain point and you're like, you're ready, then they'll stay for a little bit longer. Finn Balor did that for me. Yeah, his NXT reign going on for ages and ages, where he really elevated the brand, or was part of, like, it was a key part of elevating the NXT brand, really making it what it would become, and enter that uh, takeover era where they're touring around. He, like, 
he reached a point where he was maybe in, it felt like he was there for maybe like a month or two too long or like one big pay-per-view a bit too long and I was ready for him to go to that main event not main event was ready for him <laughs> to go to the main roster not main event and it, it went a little bit longer and his feud with Samoa Joe properly played out rather than him getting called up partway through it and then they had the massive uh, he got I think what helped there was they got to play it out and they had an actual date for him to get called up with the brand split again. So he had that massive benefit. But Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano and I guess Undisputed Era, but really Adam Cole. I don't feel like there's a date for it. But in terms of developmental and how it works, all of them have reached that, I'll call it NX, NX deparation date. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've reached their NXT probation date and they there isn't a feeling they'll be going anywhere. And this is a new feeling for NXT because on USA are there going to be lifetime NXT acts? Would Tommaso Ciampa and Joey Gargano count as that? Or Finn Balor technically has to come back. Like is there going to be like are there going to be NXT lifers now? And maybe the it's just because I'm used to when I, I called it the expo, NXT probation date. But that's because of what it feels like it has been in the past. Once you reach this thing, and it's been established like over years. Normally, once you reach a point, it's not long till you're getting called up, and then everyone will be talking about well, who's getting called up next, who's showing up in the Rumble, who will tune. Well, for that period where it was who will show up the night after WrestleMania, who will show up after SummerSlam, it became predictable. I liked that they changed that. I liked how uh, sometimes the brand splits allowed somebody to sneak in. Uh, I preferred it being unpredictable compared to what it had become. It was. This is when they debut. This is when they debut. Like it being a lot less formulaic. I thought really has has kind of helped recently. But there's a whole load of. But that that always happened. But now in a new year of NXT, it's where we've we've not even done a year yet. We're reaching a year in like one month, and it's still this new era. I'm not used to it. And no, I'm not used to an act reaching that point. That Bella point I was talking about. But instead of within a few months they do get called up, even if it feels like they're maybe there for a little bit too long, like past the point where they were definitely ready, now they're just there. I think also the pain, they hit a similar wall as well, where they've kind of done everything and the people they've kicked ass with in like their DIY and the revival. Not not DIY well it would have been DIY, but they were they were doing their own massive thing at the time. Like the tag team division had moved on. AOP had nothing left to do. Eventually they get called up. But there are a load of people where they've gone past that point and they're still NXT lifers. And I think what I'm saying is I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> going back and forth. My initial feeling is to not like it. But on the other side, I genuinely don't know what the kind of long-term thing is for NXT. Maybe we'll know by the Rumble. Or as in like after the Rumble. Do any of those guys get called up? Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa or Johnny Gargano. If any of those get called up, then that kind of answers the question a bit. And apparently there might be a another kind of draft as well and NXT might be shifting a bit if it's turned into like a proper third brand which is still you different from the other two in terms of how it's ran then yeah I guess call me intrigued but it have to for me the only way to make it feel like a big deal is it can't be developmental anymore it could be its own separate thing in a way but you really have to establish that it's no longer developmental and for that it would have to be on the same grand level stage or at least the, a bigger stage in the performance center or something you can use the thunderdome but 
the biggest for me the biggest thing for NXT is as long as it's developmental it's always going to be a developmental stigma attached to it even if the matches are fantastic and you're you're ready for people to leave it because it's developmental this is not where an act will spend their lifetime especially if they do really well uh, so there are my three picks that's my thing to look for the future do Johnny Gargano Tommaso Ciampa or Adam Cole still stay on NXT if NXT stays the same by the Rumble or by Wrestlemania or <laughs> something uh, next up, Roderick Strong, after that massive tangent, Roderick Strong with Bobby Fish versus Killian Dane. A grudge match of sorts after Killian Dane ran in to attack the Undisputed Era during Strong and Fish's attempted post-match beatdown of Drake Maverick a couple weeks ago. Uh, Strong's actics, a- antics not working to much effect against the Northern Irishman. Dane going to follow up with a big drop uh, in the end, but Fish pulls Roddy out of the way. I say drop, no, yeah, he was going to do the Jack Swagger pop up off the ropes. Uh, but Fish pulls Roddy out. Killian distracted and Strong flies in with a knee right to the head. One, two, three, like a jumping pop up. Uh, one, two, three. And he gets the win. And they were putting over the just sheer accuracy and power behind that knee. Like Dane was down and he scores the three and then he can get out of there. Uh, Strong and Fish attempt the uh, post match beatdown again. But Drake Maverick runs out swinging a baseball bat. After some landed swings, Fish and Strong take him down, but they wisely pelt it out of there after Dane wields the bat. Like, yeah, his swings might be a little bit more people. Uh, after it kind of settles down and they like, stare at each other for a bit, they realise the two in the ring in Dane and Maverick, where this whole thing started because they're not they're in the match, and their match got interfered, and they were each individually pissed at that, and each individually went after the era. Uh, but now, that it's, is it enemy of my enemy, most my friend? Is this an unlikely partnership? Or, as happened here, Drake offers to shake on the friendship so Killian Dane punches him in the face. <laughs> like, you're not my friend. <laughs> like, yeah, that was great. You're, you're not my friend. Friend. There you go, I got it. Friend. <laughs> I knew we could get a friend in Northern Irish. It takes a little bit of time. F R E U N D. Friend. Friend. <laughs> It turns out it's about a 25% failure, 75%, no, 75%, 75% failure, 25% success rate with my NXT accent of the word friend. <laughs> uh, Candice and Tegan again, like, here we go. This is where everything kind of kicked off, what we've been building to throughout the show. Um, LaRae's certain she'll be the next NXT Women's Champion. And this is after Tegan's actually listened to her words, and as soon as LaRae says that, that's when Knox has the... This is the disagreement. Like they've had a genuine conversation and the babyface has actually listened to what the hero has to say. And this is where it's like, um, why does it have to be you? Uh, Knox is not so sure. Candice does not take that well. And uh, after you see the anger in her face and uh, throws some of the salad at Tegan and who responds with a glass of water to Candice. Food fight, uh, spaghetti all over Johnny Gargano with an F-U, with the uh, F bleeps out to really sell the anger of Tegan Knox. And against the baby face that screams that as well. Just a nice little addition. Uh, Candice throws a shoe at Tegan and breaks the TV along with Johnny's heart, where <laughs> after all of this kind of builds up, the segment ends with Johnny just lost because his TV's broken. Just, what is life now? <laughs> what does... What does do without TV? <laughs> TV! <laughs> Feel your pain, Johnny Gargano. <laughs> but TV! Um, I, I don't know if that should carry on. <laughs> Next week with Johnny just lost. Just, but TV! <laughs> um, but yeah, this is 
again, it's, it's the NXT feud where it's they're doing it uniquely, and I really like the use of the Gargano household because it is a weird place and the atmosphere the entire time is just a little bit off. And I like them utilizing that for this feud, making this feud more unique, even though it's still that it's building off that same story. There's a lot of falling out friendship storylines within uh, the NXT women's division, and the I get this is just the latest one, but they're at least trying to be unique with it, do a little bit more than I guess they have done in the past. So I'll give them that. This week was something unique, not seen before, and they didn't overdo it either. It felt like a genuine conversation that had gone awry. Maybe the fight afterwards was a bit food fight <laughs> type of thing. But, again, it was unique, and the setting was different, and the tone of it was different. It was so much better than just trading one-liners at each other. Like, it felt like a genuine, a genuine heat between them. So it did its job. Uh, Damien Priest is going to break Thatcher's face next week. He's being interviewed by NXT Blonde Lady. They don't say her name. She's just there, and then asks a question and leaves. Well, how am I meant to learn her name? Well, that's how you go to WWE.com regularly. <laughs> that might be where I could learn. Uh, both the North American and Tag Team Championships are on the line this week. And this was kind of promoting that. Uh, Damien Priest offers for her to join his party. Or who like, party forever. He's just playing off his live forever line. And maybe it's because he's champion. He gets to party forever now. <laughs> he's a cocky prick. <laughs> but he's a, is he a baby face? I feel like he is. Yeah, but he's a baby face character with so much charisma I think that's something which really makes him stand out to me and I was going to say The Rock but what I mean is he's a babyface character but he absolutely oozes charisma to the point of he's a bit of a cocky prick as well so you could very easily see him as a heel but he just he kind of oozes charisma and he's not he's, he's a unique babyface they have nobody like that in WWE uh, and the fact he's tall means I've got massive hopes for him on the main roster uh, also here was where Io Shirai versus Shotzi Blackheart was confirmed for next week. Now to the main event, the one match I've been looking forward to talking about the most, because this match was fantastic. <laughs> the main event, Mercedes Martinez with Robert Stone versus Rhea Ripley in a steel cage. Genuinely, my favourite of these two Super Tuesday night matches. Uh, these two absolutely killed it. Yes, I enjoyed it more than Adam Colvin Bella, more than the Iron Man last week. Because as much as I enjoyed the Iron Man last week, I would ha never have any plans to rewatch that. It was such a massive long journey, and again, that the payoff at the end wasn't really uh, kind of worth the time investment. Time investment reward, that's what I ranted about last week. Uh, this was the key example of that, time investment and reward. There was no additional add-ons to the uh, time investment, and there was constant reward, <laughs> it felt like. Uh, and at the end, you got your massive cheer for Ray Ripley. And it just rolled on. I just love the flow of this match. Uh, Martinez walking to the ring with a kendo stick, just setting the tone immediately. Uh, she poked it through one of the caged uh, wall holes before going under the ring to fetch and chuck in some chairs as well. Uh, and it's setting up the feeling of a massive ball that these two are going to beat the crap out of each other. And I thought Martinez did an amazing job of setting that tone just all by herself, <laughs> just showing it completely. And... Uh, but as she pulls out a table, Ripley jumps from behind. Suddenly, Mercedes is having the cage door swung into her. Uh, the badass control Mercedes was oozing just a second ago. Clearly was going to uh, need to take some work to get back. I loved the no faffing about in this match. Ripley going into the steel within 10 seconds of the bell ringing. As Ripley and Martinez steal the show. Uh, that's two E's and I put that. It doesn't work out loud. <laughs> Damn it. I put it as the subtitle 
uh, for the for this post on investing headlines, <laughs> and just be like, doesn't work out loud, does it? Because it's out steel. Yeah. Anyway, a full on cage war from the start. There was no. There was, there was so much. This is so much better than the majority of cage matches we see on the main roster. Like no teasing of the steel, or just like resting in the middle, and when they get closer, like oh no, and then kind of bring it back to the middle, or when it eventually happens, that's meant to be them amping up the match to try and get reactions each and every time you throw them into the cage, like, ooh, ah, the pain. Um, but the pace of this, just the fact of, like, none of that, just throw them into the cage in the first 10 seconds. Just get that over with, and you keep that momentum going, you keep that pace. Uh, these two women were beating the hell out of each other. Uh, Ripley took some real beating in this match as well. Martinez looking amazing. Uh, an awesome fisherman's suplex from Mercedes. Slammed down from the top rope, hard onto a chair as well. Uh, and back from the break, we immediately see her spider suplex backwards, crashing down hard once again. That's the, I guess, reverse German on the top rope where she, where Martinez would put her legs on the rope and could bend backwards. And uh, I think it's called spider suplex. I've got that from Togi Makabe. That's what I call it for him. <laughs> uh, not that Martinez didn't take her own punishment. A steel chair to the face, followed up by an awesome dropkick and painful-looking suplex. Uh, again, these two women beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> Just uh, stiff moves as well. Uh, Robert Stone climbed the cage. Uh, Ripley met him at the top, and she goes to superplex him in uh, when Martina shows up with that kendo stick and netbreakers her off the top rope. Stone just comedically drapes himself over the top of the cage, and if I'm right, about five, seven hours ago, he treated, I'm off the cage now. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I like that. It's just let you know I'm not in the cage anymore. <laughs> I like that. Uh, table time, and Mar finally, Martinez sets it up. The rule of wrestling, you set up the thing you're about to go through. Martinez attempts to Fisherman Buster Ripley off the top rope through the table, Fails, gets headbutted, and Rhea powers up with a riptide down through the table. And Rhea Ripley beats Mercedes Martinez. Both women coming across as absolute badasses. Both really, well, Martinez especially, really elevated. And Ripley, again, feels like that badass who could just go for the title at any point whenever Eo's done faffing about. <laughs> that's, the, that's the takeover one. Be it WrestleMania or Royal Rumble, that's the big takeover match. Or could it be Survivor Series in November? Oh, I don't know. It'd be War Games. They've got War Games. Are they going to do War Games? <laughs> Can you do War Games in Performance Centre? Uh, yeah, this main event was fantastic. Easily my favourite match of these past two Tuesdays. And it was just an absolute blast. Like, if like 15, 20 minutes, that absolutely flew by. Really, really good match. Cannot recommend... That's my, that's my recommendation. If you want, if you wanted one match, you saw that there was a lot of time investment and everything for these past two Super... For this Super Tuesday double special... Which one match should you check out? I would go with, for pure enjoyment, this. This was every positive. If I'm taking all of the negatives from the Iron Man match, because there were lots of positives in that match, but if I looked at purely the negatives, this main event essentially would address every single one of them and be like, well, this is proof we can do it. With the negatives you're bringing up, this is proof we can do it. And I, I thought it was really, really good. <laughs> Singing, I can't sing enough praises <laughs> for that main event. So... Uh, Ray Ripley and Mercedes Martinez absolutely stealing the show. Uh, I came close to putting them on the front. <laughs> I really enjoyed that match, so, but I've got the cage behind me, so at least there's that. But uh, yeah, yeah, a new NXT champion crowd felt like oh, I've got to talk about that though. <laughs> That's got to be the big one. 
it wasn't an NXT show bookended by two big things. Finn Balor and Adam Cole, they were both really good matches. I just personally preferred the cage match so much more. The thing was because it started with that hot momentum brawl and the pace never died down. They didn't do the thing where the heel just grinds down the face. It's like the offense Mercedes Martinez was doing was just so kind of powerful and impactful as well that it really did feel like she was knocking the wind out of Ripley with everything. Uh, and that badass, trying to, uh, snatching back that badass aura that, that Ripley snatched away from her. Really, really good match. Uh, and Mercedes Martinez rightfully like a main event feeling heel role as well uh, I want to say she's my next NXT champion that's only because Ripley's hit that point of being perfectly fine to call up now, they've got a selection of like really young really talented wrestlers uh, Ripley is one of them uh, she's still in like her early 20s like 22, 23 which is ridiculous <laughs> the level of talent that she's currently at uh, but yeah Ripley is for me, Ripley's like ready, like she can be a big Royal Rumble spot, uh, which was which essentially what Shayna Baszler got last year. Like Ripley can be at that point and then get called up. Uh, I feel like she's ready for that. First off, would do be do the match with Io Shirai possibly at the Royal Rumble. Then, uh, then you can do Mercedes Martinez maybe beating Io Shirai, who <laughs> assumably by that point would also be good to get called up. But who knows? Because what is NXT? What will NXT be by WrestleMania? Are they going to genuinely push it? Are they going to generally push them in time for Survivor Series to do the three brands again? Who bloody knows? <laughs> Is it wise to do three brands in COVID so you have so many? Like, probably not. Like uh, There'll be enough kind of talk about can you do Survivor Series standardly with five on either side. Uh, over here in the UK, we've had groups no more than six once again banned. Uh, if you're found in a group more than six, then you will be fined. You will, you will receive a penalty. So... Yeah, so it, 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 there aren't going to be those things in the US uh, unless they can be enforced locally. There, those things just aren't going to be there. But maybe having 15 people around there, I mean, both companies, AEW and WWE, have done massive brawls. Especially every time I've gone, mm, but COVID, I mean, it looks cool, but COVID, COVID, anyone? Like, you're in Florida. Florida's not doing very well. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure it should be uh, this perfectly fine to have such a mass brawl? Uh, Royal Rumble's coming up as well. I've been being at Royal Rumble a lot. And there's a news today about the Royal Rumble. Shall we get into this? This is an NXT review. <laughs> Stay on topic, Matt. But yes, a really enjoyable NXT. Uh, a, a blast to watch, especially the first match and the second match. Second match and the final match. I thought they both absolutely knocked it out of the park. Really looking forward to where they go next, essentially, because... This felt like it addressed a lot of things. So next week could be a reset. Like everybody gets them put into their next stuff. We've got your hype matches and your building rivalries. But next week really is where the championship pictures kind of fall into place. And you move on to your next stuff. So we'll see what they do. Anyway, that is the end of the show. Didn't read my glasses. That's a really good sign. I finally got to the end of it. Before signing off, uh, please do uh, go to wrestlingheadlines.net for your latest wrestling news. Uh, links in the description. Uh, also, if you want to go to the page for this, to uh, I don't know on the Wrestling Headlines site. <laughs> links in all the description, or just head over to wrestlingheadlines.net. You can find all your stuff there. Uh, again, recently really revamped, and it's been nothing but positives I've seen, especially on mobile. So that's great to hear. So anyway. With that, I say thank you for watching. What do you make of Finn Balor as champion? What did you make as the main event? Are you on high? Are you as high on the main event as I was? Uh, are you are you excited for Finn Balor reign? Uh, what do you who do you th what do you think about the call ups and the, what NXT is? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs>
hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicate. That's damn as in damn. And uh, I'll be posting columns. Uh, also, in terms of busyness, I will be collabing once again with Australian columnist at Los, uh, Wrestling Headlines, uh, Sir Sam, to cover the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax, which will be starting next Saturday. And so my schedule, bloody hell my schedule. We'll <laughs> see how it goes. Covering WWE and covering Aftershocks for pay-per-views and doing the G1 Climax. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I might be constantly knackered and tired and really generally need the glasses. Uh, anyway, so with that, I say thank you for listening. Uh, please do check out the other shows we've got here on uh, on Lots of Pain Radio and on... And do I need to change the name of LOP Radio? Probably do. And on the YouTube channel here as well. Yeah, uh, Like and subscribe to the stars and whatnot really does help us. You can uh, donate to us to help us out on... Uh, currently just on Red, Red Circle. You go to Red Circle and you click on the donations to donate to the show. It has Lots of Pain Radio. You can go there to do that. Uh, I've got a bloody moment to plug that every time. <laughs> so with that, say so thank you for listening. And I'll bid you adieu to our... <laughs> I need to put a Nottingham twang on it. <laughs> so to our... To our... Ten.